Hey, hey, this is Takara, and you are listening to A Letter to My Sister podcast. You are in the right place if you are raised to be a strong, independent woman who didn't have to depend on anybody for anything, but then you realize there were some lessons that you didn't quite get as you were going along the way. We often go through life the best way that we know how, and we don't even realize that there's a better way. So in here, there will be some raw and real conversations surrounding life lessons about the things that we wish that we had known, maybe about self, love, money, and even our careers. So if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and I would love for you to leave a rating and review as well. So now that we've got all that out the way, let's chat, sis. Hey sis, have you been here for the last few weeks? If so, then you already know what today's topic is, and that is about relationships, showing others how to treat you right the first time. But in order for us to be able to show people how to treat us right the first time, sometimes we have to go through some processes ourselves. And so today's process is talking about going through forgiveness Because in order for us to have the best relationships possible, there's some people that we got to forgive. There are some people that we have to let go of. And sometimes we have to forgive people without ever receiving the apology because all it is is an unnecessary energy leak. And we can use that energy to focus on those who love us, right? We can use that energy to focus on the people that we simply want to focus on. So listen to this interview that I have with NECA as she walks us through unforgiveness and how to forgive. Listen up. All right, NECA, welcome to A Letter to My Sister podcast. I am so happy to have you here, one of my sorority sisters. So that's always a plus on that as well. But today we're going to be talking all about forgiveness. So my first question to you is how do you define forgiveness? What does forgiveness look like? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to talk about this with you. For me, forgiveness is really letting go. It's really a matter of releasing something that has been a weight on you and it's baggage. And it, it causes so many problems when you hold on to it and have all these negative feelings around the incident or incidents that may have happened to you, that it really permeates your future. It really has an impact on where you want to go and the things you want to accomplish, and it can be hidden. So I just really think it's important that we realize that it's something we do for us, and it is a releasing. It is something that we have in our hand that we have the ability to let go of. Ooh, that's good. So it's something that we do for ourselves and it's a releasing. So how would you guide a person into releasing? Because I feel like there's there's different levels to this. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. And so some things are easier to forgive. Like you stepped on my toe. That's cool. You know, okay, that's fine. I forgive you. But then there are like some things that are really egregious 
that people have difficulties getting over. So what would be the steps in order for, well, for even for a person to even realize that's what they need to do in the first place? Yeah, I'm really heavy on journal writing. So I like to walk through that with my clients and having them bring up things that have been weighing on them, things that they have kind of been rehearsing in the back of their mind, because you can get so used to rehearsing some negativity in your life that you don't really even remember the origin. And so I think it's important to start to unpack that and be that with journal writing and allowing it to kind of come up and come out so that you can recognize, first of all, what's my point of origin for this feeling that I'm feeling? Um, And then once you acknowledge, you know, what is it that's feeling that I'm feeling, allowing yourself to have that feeling and making sure that you don't judge yourself for it. That's one of the things I like to share is that, you know what, we're not going to look at whether or not it's right or wrong right now. We're just going to acknowledge it. And we're going to allow ourselves to have that freedom to acknowledge how we felt offended or whatever the situation is. We need to make sure that we acknowledge that for ourselves and don't judge that. When we acknowledge that feeling, now we can move on to the point to where we realize there's power in our hands to do the releasing. I think part of the problem that we have with forgiveness is that we often feel like it's an agreeance with the thing that happened to us, especially if it's something egregious. If I could just share my story really quickly, I came from a a situation that I never imagined that I would be in, and that was... Uh, an abusive relationship that, you know, in my marriage. And I never imagined that I would be in that situation. I never imagined that I would be sitting in my car one day, calling the sheriff's department, asking them to help me get my own belongings out of my apartment. And when I went into my apartment, I could barely open my master bedroom door because everything that resembled me had been thrown into that room. And I couldn't believe that I had to grab things and shove them in a bag, you know, and get out of there within five minutes because the sheriffs don't care about your stuff. They care about you. They want to make sure you're safe, you know. Um, But all of the things that had happened prior to that day had come to a head. And as I was walking out of the building, dragging this suitcase in complete disbelief, I knew that that wasn't the life that God wanted for me. And he's told, you know, he said to me in my spirit, I did, this is just not the daughter. This is not the life that I had planned for you. But part of that meant that I had to go through the process of releasing it later. Now, was it extremely egregious in my book? Absolutely. And it was extremely painful. And it took a long time for me to process through all of the emotion that came with that. But if I had not, it would have been a stain on my future. It would have been something that created a legacy in me that now I'm allowing this past incident or or a series of incidents to create a whole new future for me that I do not want. So if I say I want a certain thing in my future, I need to be able to release that. So part of that process of, you know, get real with the situation. What really happened? Acknowledge your feelings in it. 
like your feelings are valid. And then realize that you are the one that has the power to do the releasing. Don't create a legacy of the pain, but create something beautiful, create something new. And you have the power to do that. That's good. I like what you said about first, hello, letter to my sister. So I am all about journaling and all of that. And just a little background for me that I'm sure you don't know is I journal a lot. And basically I have maybe like eight journals or so. I really, I noted, I didn't pay attention to it, but I actually really started journaling when I got engaged. Mm. And so I went back and I went and I read all of my journals. I read everything that we talked about with premarital counseling, how everything just kind of built up and led up to another. And I was just growing really weary in my marriage. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure where to turn, what to do. And I'm very stubborn and I refuse to let things go. And, you know, and then of course you have church religion and all of those things. Yes. And I was like, okay, have I done all that I could do? Have I done everything? I don't want to leave any stone unturned before I dare bring it up, make a decision and say, I have no other choice. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I went back and I read through every single last one of my journals, ever since we were engaged, I was like, girl, what are you doing? You, you have done everything. You, you've done all that you, this is the last option for you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then even as I was going through the process, even after I separated, I still journaled. And like you were saying, be free, don't judge your thoughts or whatever, like just write it all down. I even read a book. um, I was actually surprised to see it in there because it was talking about finances, (laughs) but she was in the book, Rewire for Wealth. She's saying a lot of women hang on to anger and we don't express it because we feel like it's not very ladylike to be angry. (laughs) Right. Well, we are not, we are not given the permission to be angry. And particularly Mm -hmm. if you're speaking of women of color and particularly if you're speaking of black women, it is a negative connotation that we are angry and Mm -hmm. we don't get to express our anger at something that should make us angry. And there is no sin in anger. There is no sin in being angry. That's information. Emotions are information. And it's supposed to tell us, you know, where we are and then give us some insight on the next steps that we're supposed to take. What's the next direction that we take? And, you know, just kind of back to what you were saying with journaling, that is so important. Like that's such a good practice. I too am an avid journaler. Um, and it's such a good practice because you can go back and take another look at, well, you know what, let me be level-headed about this. Let me see if, did I, was I thinking clearly, um, you know, when I started this relationship six months ago, 10 months ago, a year ago, you know, what, what's the chronological order of my thought process, you know, so that you can say, okay, you know what, I can acknowledge my part in it as well. But I also can acknowledge that I have the ability to forgive and I can forgive um, 
you know, I can forgive the situation and for and the people and the players involved. And I know that I've done my due diligence and I can take a look at that as a matter of record in these journals, you know. So I think that's great, you know, a great point that going back and journaling and taking a look at what you've journaled is so important as well. Yeah, I love that because, and to me, when, when you journal, or at least when I journal, everything is completely unfiltered. <laughs> completely unfiltered. That's the best place. (laughs) So I'm, listen, I probably cussed several people out in those journals, but when I, when you go back and when you read it, it's almost like you're reading it as another party. Yes. It's like, okay, well, if I don't have anybody to chop this up with, I can read it myself. And I'm like, okay, you was tripping. You was tripping for real. Right. Right oh, you got a point. And I don't know what you're doing or why we are doing this right here, but mm-hmm. clearly we need to change some things up. And that's like the whole point of journaling. Like that is it right there to be able to, that's the psychological process of journaling. So people think when we say journaling, it's like, okay, yeah, we, okay, you write some stuff down. But no, actually it's your psychological process of stepping outside of yourself. And you're basically having a conversation with yourself. And it's possible for us to do that. And that's why I employ it. And I think it's so, and a lot of coaches do. um, And I really think it's so important because it does allow you to step outside of yourself and think about what you're thinking about, which is something that we are able to do, but it's a power that we don't often employ if we don't know how to use it or know that it's something that as our, you know, we're at at our disposal. So um, absolutely. I, I just love the power of being able to journal and your get your thoughts out and get your feelings out and really look at them and analyze them. So, okay. So now here's a question on forgiveness. I I can't exactly remember how the phrase goes, but it's it's kind of to the extent of I had to learn how to forgive without an apology. Yes. Yeah. How? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, how? but. Well, yeah, because this is the thing. I, and I understand the question of how, um, but I really want to emphasize taking it, uh, taking the power back from the other person and from the, in the power out of the incident, because the truth of the matter is they cannot give you back what you're looking for. Even if they apologize, you're going to be just as T.O. ticked off, whatever, as you were. Before, their their apology is never going to be enough to replace what you feel like they've taken. And they cannot, they simply cannot give you back the emotional health that 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 incident might have taken. That's something that you have to grab for yourself. And so being able to um, extend the forgiveness without an apology is so important. It's almost like don't even, because people don't even have to know that you've, you have forgiven them. Like you said, you may have cussed a few people out in your journal. Well, I have to agree. <laughs> I've written plenty of letters to people that they don't have, but that was for me, you know, so that I could get the thing out of me and that I can process through it and then administer my forgiveness and move on and release the bags, but you are not going to be able to get back from that person, 
what you think you're getting from an apology. And I would venture to say that there are some people who are listening to the podcast right now who have gotten apologies for things, but it didn't do a whole lot to change how they felt about the situation. Mm-hmm. They still had to go back and do the work themselves to finally say, you know what? All right. I, I have to let go of this because I'm stressed out behind this, or I can't stop thinking about this. I I'm waking up thinking about this. I'm going to sleep thinking about this. My blood pressure is high. My anxiety is high. My, you know, I can't think at work. I can't concentrate. I'm always angry and I'm feeling bitter. And those are the things that only you can change. And the person that took whatever they took from you can't give it back. Yeah. I I know my audience might be sick of hearing this, but anyway, uh, this book called Deadly Emotions, I live by that book practically. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but what he was saying is that when you hold on to these negative emotions, they do something physically to your body. Mm -hmm. And so he gave a story of this lady where she was upset because essentially her husband had left her for another woman and she was like I hope they crash I hope they you know just all kinds of things because she was just that upset and he said the more he saw her it was like the more like she would be hunched over and then something kind of happened to her back and then she started having more back pain then she started having like arthritis because literally her whole body just kind of like the reaction that she was feeling about being tense her body yeah. was doing that exact same thing with tensing up. And he was like, she basically died miserable physically and mentally because of these emotions that she continued to carry towards her husband because she was, you know, mad he left. Yeah. And it is so, it, and I don't know if we recognize how physiological it is because you are keeping yourself in a perpetual state of fight or flight, fight, flight, or freeze now. Um, where you're excreting these hormones in your body that are meant for dangerous situations, but you're not in danger anymore. And your body doesn't know how to shut that off. And then you keep ruminating on these things over and over again. And so you keep that flow of those, of those hormones pumping through your body and you're not burning them off. You're not doing anything with it. So then it starts to have, you know, um, negative impacts on your organs, on your tissues, on your, you know, this and that. And you end up with someone, and I, I, I can imagine how this woman may have looked after years and years of that. People have, a, you know, they have ulcers, they have, you know, there's a, a whole host of actual physical ramifications for unforgiveness. And we think sometimes that it's just ethereal and that it's just something you know, oh, it's floating up in the air and it's, it's just something in my, in my mind. Well, your mind impacts your brain. Your brain is part of your body. And so that those neural pathways, all those things, and I geek out on that stuff, um, <laughs> but it's really, it really is true. It really does negatively impact your body. Yeah. The neuroscience of it all. Yeah. Love that part because it's so informative in telling us, wait, this is not just something as this is not just some fly-by-night suggestion. This is really important for your life. Yeah, it and it even goes back to, I'm into all kinds of things, but another thing I was researching, I'm blanking out on what this book was called, but basically he was, he was teaching people how to charge 
or program their water. And so Mm. essentially what you would do is whatever you felt like you were missing, you would charge your water until you would write a note card on it. And they, and they even did a whole experiment on it. So on one card, he put love and let a glass of water sit over that. On another one, he put hate and let a glass of water sit over that. And he fed the plant, two different plants. One plant received the love water. Another plant received the hate water. The love, the plant that got the love water thriving, flourishing, like it had all types of fertilizer. The plant that received the hate water, it could not survive. It withered. There was nothing that they could do to revive that plant. And so it's like we don't realize the things that we say, even the things that we write and even focus on. And so Mm -hmm. he was saying, if you put love on there and you drink that water, and you're more thirsty, clearly that's, that's what you need. That's what your body needs. So your body is telling you, yes, more, more, more. I need more of this. I love that. I love that. And I, I'd heard an experiment like that, but they were just using words speaking to the plant, but either way, I think that's what is so, um, what, again, what another thing we just don't give enough credence to is the power of our words and our thoughts really impact our feelings and our feelings sometimes will impact our behavior. And that comes out sometimes in the things that we say. And so I just love that. I love that demonstration and, and really the focus on how you can determine what you need by, you know, if that's what you drink more, you feel like you're thirsty for more of that love water, drink some love. I love that. Love water. <laughs> Somebody needs to come out with some love water. Yeah, love, peace, <laughs> joy, wealth, health, whatever you need, you write it on a card and you let your water sit over it. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I'm thinking two questions. I'm trying to figure out which avenue I want to go first because they're on like on two different sides. Here we go. So in my opinion, in, in my thinking, if someone wronged me and I had to forgive them, I can forgive them. But if I don't ever see them again, like our circles, our paths would not cross, Mm -hmm. then I think it's much easier for me to forgive because it's like out of sight, out of mind. However, Mm -hmm. if it was someone who is in the family, someone that I see more often, how does one then navigate that if they have to kind of go through forgiveness, but yet and still maybe see this person that family functions or do they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this could be uh, a, a sibling, a parent, or, you know, any, a cousin, whatever. And so I always say, sprinkle that forgiveness with wisdom, because God didn't call us to be foolish with it, mm-hmm. uh, or to put our trust back in someone. That's not the command. That's not the recommendation. And so there may be times where you feel like I have to uh, process this through and forgive you for me. But I also need to limit our time within each other's presence because I am protecting my peace. I'm a big proponent of protecting your peace. And I think as you go through life, you will find, you know, people come in our lives for different reasons, different seasons, what have you. And you will find that there are necessary times where you need to protect your peace. Something may have happened where you need to forgive them and you make the decision that, okay, I'm not going to put myself in the line of fire again. Like that's not necessary. And it's not a a requirement that I 
reconcile the relationship at the same level that it was at when the offense occurred, right? So there may be someone that you are, um, you know, a family member that you were in contact with and you, you now find yourself, you have to forgive them, but it doesn't require you to be around them in the same way. And it may require that you have a conversation with them and just let them know, you know, hey, I forgive you, but this is how it made me feel. And I need to protect my peace. I need to make sure that I'm a healthy, emotionally healthy individual. And so those might be conversations that you need to have. And then you may also decide, I just need to separate and I'm going to write some letters so that I can, (laughs) you know, get through this time and really process the feelings and emotions that I have and then move forward. But again, you do not have to, it's not a requirement that you put yourself back into that same position. It's not even wise to do so. Love that. Sprinkle forgiveness with wisdom. That's good because I do believe, and it goes back to what you said earlier, that even though we forgive someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have free reign, free access, and we're in agreement with what they did anymore. We forgive for our sake so that we can continue to function properly. Yeah. Because if we don't, then guess what we do? We go, there's a quote I saw a long time ago, and it just never left. And it, it said, heal. So you don't go around bleeding on people who did not cut you. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness is such a huge part of healing because if you can't let it go, it's like you keep ripping open the wound. Like you have to let it go. And that is not being disrespectful to how much it hurts. We're not, you know, when someone says you need to let it go, that is not in any way, shape or form disregarding the deep pain it may have caused, the deep, um, the pain you may still be feeling. It could be a, a business partner or even a marriage that broke up. And now you're still financially responsible for something that was over a long time ago. And so you find yourself every so often having to write a check or spend some money for something that you didn't have to spend money on before. And every time you have to do that, it's bringing up those feelings again. And so that's why I believe Jesus said, forgive 70 times 70, because we are perpetually involved with interpersonal relationships with people. And there's no way of getting around the fact that we're going to be hurt at some point. And so, yeah, I just think it's so important how we would need to keep ourselves fresh and open to forgiving, to shedding that, to brushing it off our shoulder, shaking it off, whatever it is we need to do, because we don't want to carry that pain to our next relationship or to our children or create another legacy of pain with our spouse, the new spouse that's waiting down the line. We just don't want to do that. So it's so important. Yeah, because that's such a good point that you made, because a lot of I think a lot of times when we hear that verse that you that you spoke about with Peter, like how many times do we forgive? Is it, you know, seven times? And he's like, no, no, no. I say 70 times seven. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. okay, 490 times and then I'm done or. (laughs) Right, right. But then I think what we forget about is we're thinking of different people like, oh, should I just forgive seven people? 
but there is something that could be done against you in which you have to forgive the one person several Mm -hmm. times Mm -hmm. in your head because there's something that's going to come up that's going to remind you of the incident. There's something that's going to trigger you. Mm-hmm. Something is going to take you back to that incident where you have to make the choice, especially in a marriage. If they infidelity is is the first thing that comes to mind, right. and it's like if you if you a marriage goes through infidelity and you choose to stay married, if something triggers you, you now have to make the effort to forgive that person over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. until you feel like you're at a place. And even, and you still may be at a place and then something may come up and you have to forgive them yet again, a few months, a few years down the road or whatever it is. Yeah. Because, right. Because like you said, infidelity comes up first. That's the first thing we think about, but there's also, there could be so many other things that you need to employ, you know, forgiveness for, and hopefully you've had a lot of, well, I won't say hopefully you had a lot of practice, but just you have been in the practice of forgiving um, before it would get to the point of something like infidelity. Um, but then again, you have to use wisdom with that because, you know, okay, I forgive you now, but then if you go and do that again, do I forgive you and stay with you? Like there's just so many mm-hmm. scenarios, right? And so I think it's just really important that we remember, like you said, the forgiveness might not be a whole bunch of different people. It could be the same person. It could be a parent or a sibling or someone who's dealing with their own pain, right? People come with their own pain to the relationship, whatever relationship that you're in with them and they bring their stuff. And when they do, they may or may not be working on them on healing that stuff. And so they may re uh, injure. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like keep inflicting the same types of injury because they're not they're not doing the same work that you're trying to do to heal yourself. Um, and so that's where the wisdom comes in again, because it's like, okay, do I keep getting in the line of fire of this particular injury or do I create some boundaries so that I can be in relationship with this person, but I can also protect my peace, protect my emotional health as well. But like you said, that could be the same person. That could be the same person over and over and over again. Yeah, that boundaries is, is important. Because a lot of times I feel like when we, when we initiate boundaries, it's like we are putting our boundaries on another person, but it's not for them. The boundaries are for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of like, all right, well, if I, let's just say, if I was in the situation where infidelity happened and I put up the boundary to say, all right, well, if this happens again, it's not what you're going to do, it's what I'm going to do. So if you do this again, I am going to leave. And then it's up to me to follow through on that boundary to say, and now you've hit my boundary and now I'm leaving just like I said I would. Yep, because otherwise, is it really a boundary? If if you're like, okay, here's the line and then something happens, you're like, oop. Okay, well, let me move the line back here. Mm -hmm. Okay, now if you do it again, you know, it's just kind of Mm -hmm. mixed signals. Um, But definitely those boundaries are are incredibly important and they are driven by you. I wanted to go back to what you said 
about unforgiveness and how it could affect your future relationships Mm -hmm. or even how it could affect like for those who may have children so let's say you have people or someone who's just like I don't care I'm not doing it I'm not gonna forgive them I can't forgive them this is unforgivable Mm -hmm. for those people what are the consequences of unforgiveness yeah I think that that's where you get into that hidden bitterness and really a guard that you kind of set up. I don't know that you can have that kind of deep resonating unforgiveness and be able to trust people in relationships very much. And I, again, also sprinkling that with forgiveness with wisdom, but I think that it will end up spilling into relationships that have nothing to do with the incident. So if you're like, if that's unforgivable, I cannot forgive them. I won't forgive them. I don't know that you think you can keep that compartmentalized, but your brain doesn't work like that. Your mind is going to start to create those patterns of mistrust and just really holding your guard up with other relationships that could spill over into your family life when it comes to raising your children, when it comes to, especially if it happens to be with a partner that you actually created these children with. I mean, it, it really can, I don't know if, hopefully none of your viewers or listeners have experienced this, but I came from a home that, you know, my parents got divorced when I was around 12 and I can distinctly remember my mom saying things like that. You get that from your daddy, you know, or that's such a, just, that's late. Just like your daddy. That's stop being lazy. That's just like your daddy or whatever. Remember we talked about what happens with our thoughts and then uh, they create the feelings and that creates the behavior. And then that comes out your mouth. So like, I just don't think you can compartmentalize that unforgiveness and keep it from spewing on other people and into the other relationships that you have. Our mind really works to keep us safe and it will work in overdrive to try to make sure that the guard is up and always watching for the opportunity to be offended. That's the other thing. You also come easily offended because now you're always looking for the offense, Mm -hmm. trying to protect yourself from the offense. Yeah, I actually saw something on Instagram today where she said that For those people who have come out of extremely toxic relationships, they tend to be hyper vigilant for Mm -hmm. red flags. Mm -hmm. And so things that may be seemingly innocent now, because you've come out of this super hectic and chaotic environment, you're looking at everything as a danger sign. And I think that when it comes to relationships, it can leave you closed off because- Although people feel like they're hiding unforgiveness, it's very loud. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very loud in your in your responses. It's in very unsuspecting ways. Like for instance, people know I ain't got no business. I put it all on the podcast, but <laughs> but I I was on um, a little dating app earlier in the week. I think maybe I asked you know something to the effect like 
you know, kind of what's your vision for your future or, you know, for yourself or whatever. Okay. And he was basically like, listen, I'm just concerned about me and mine. It's going to be me, my kids, people in my circle. That's it. And so to me, that's very loud. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, so that means you're only concerned about your circle. You're not concerned about anybody else. You're not concerned about anyone in your community, like nothing else. And even some of the answers that he gave me afterwards was all me and mine, me and mine, me and mine, yeah. me and mine. And it's very, and it, it had nothing to do. This was nothing to do with relationships. These were just random questions that I like asking people just to kind of see where their head is at. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, like, like the- Thanks for letting said, me know. Right. <laughs> like the like the uh what is it the meme says oh that'll do it that'll <laughs> do it that'll do it about me. me okay yes <laughs> pack up my stuff honey you don't right. have to worry about me yeah you gotta exchange numbers we don't have to meet i have seen enough yeah i don't know what happened to you right but seen enough <laughs> but i and i can see clearly that you're speaking out of pain mm-hmm. that's unhealed you know so yeah that that's a blaring example right there of how it does it and then you think you want you want something right now he's probably on there wanting to I don't know I guess he wants a relationship uh, I don't know that's what um, don't let me put words in his mouth <laughs> but <laughs> but you know you're putting up these walls that say don't do not cross like I don't actually want what I say I'm wanting because here's how I'm responding to these questions so yeah, I just, it, it just cannot be compartmental. It just can't be kept in a compartment. And like, I'm only going to direct this unforgiveness toward this person. This doesn't work like that. So to put a different spin on this, what if I am the one who mm. requires forgiveness mm. and I need to be the bigger person to say, you know what? I was completely wrong mm. in this and I need to apologize to you Mm-hmm. How then do I come to terms with that? And how do I begin to basically right my wrongs? I think that's another conversation. And I've actually practiced the conversation before I had the conversation before, just because now I'm thinking I want to be clear. I want to be um as I don't want to reoffend with what I'm bringing. And I want to be somewhat precise in my apology because I want to take responsibility for the things that I did do. And my part, I'm not taking responsibility for what I'm not responsible for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important as well. You know, don't go flying in all willy nilly, like, oh, I'm so sorry for everything, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for, because now you have, a, there's two components to that piece. You are asking for forgiveness for the other person. And then once you do that, you release that part, because now we're getting, remember, you can't do anything. You can't give them back what they think you took. So all you can do is apologize at that point and then be diligent about not reoffending in that way. 
but then they have to take that and either accept it or not accept it and, if, and forgive you or not forgive you. That's on them. But now you also have to forgive yourself. And so part of that conversation that you have with them should also be what you work out with you. It's something that you would need to prepare yourself for. Okay, I've, I've accepted responsibility for this. Oh, don't beat yourself up. You know, why, how did I make this mistake? Why did I make this mistake? What kind of pain was I in? What, again, it comes back to that whole journaling piece because now you're processing again and you're analyzing psychologically, emotionally, where was I at when I did this thing that offended them so much? Now, the other piece of that might be you don't even, you may not recognize that you even offended them until they let you know. And it could have been not at all what you meant. Mm -hmm. Not at all what you meant to do or say. But I think it's important to acknowledge their feeling and, and apologize for that. And then you can still go back and say, okay, what was my part in this? How do I not reoffend in this? you know, take some steps to, to assure that you are being sensitive about the subject and then taking responsibility. I like that last piece that you said, because I think there was some good stuff on the social media networks today. But another thing that I saw was uh, this lady in particular was talking about parent-child relationships, kind of like um, trauma that either parents don't understand that they put on their children. And, you mm -hmm. know, just a lot of people going to therapy now because of trauma from parents. And so, and I was looking at that, I was like, yeah, see, I, for one, don't want to be the cause of having, mm -hmm. of my child having to go to therapy yeah. because of me. Yeah. And then, yeah. so one of the questions that she encouraged was to ask for parents to ask their children, is there anything that I've done in which you have felt unsupported, unloved, or anything to that effect? And if they give you a yes, hear the yes, don't respond, but hear the yes. And then once they say what they've got to say, ask them, is there a way that I can help you through that? Yeah, I love that. And I have to say it has been the strongest. Like, I feel like I'm a better parent now. My, I have two sons, one's 28, one's 23. And I feel like I have some of the best conversations with them as young adults, recognizing that just like my own mother, and father, I did what I knew. They did what they knew. Mm -hmm. um, and their parents did what they knew. And all of it wasn't healthy. Some of it was really toxic. And so some of the things that I did with my kids, in hindsight, I'm like, I didn't, that wasn't, that wasn't the best. I didn't do that right. And so I've tried to keep that communication line open with them and having repeated conversations because you're not going to settle everything in one conversation. Mm -hmm. Everything that went on in the upbringing will not come out at once, no matter how much you tell them, Hey, you can bring anything to me. 
please bring anything to me that you're feeling. Those conversations may happen over, over time. And, and the last one that I had with my oldest son, I was apologizing, you know, for something. And he actually stopped me. He said, mom, you are a really good mother. And then he went to outline. He said, I saw the changes that you made while we were growing up when you figured out that wasn't the way you wanted to parent. And I'm thinking, (laughs) you saw like as a teenager or a young person, you recognize Mm -hmm. that. And so I think that is what's so important when it comes to that parent and child relationship, don't sell them short. They are watching Mm -hmm. and they are very smart and they are picking up on all the cues. And so don't be afraid to sit down and have these repeated conversations with them and let them know the door is open because one day they'll come back to you and tell you, no, I saw you. I saw what you were doing. I recognize the changes that the positive changes that you made. I recognize the way that you did things differently from what you may have, you know, what have happened to you as a parent and, you know, all of these wonderful things. So I love that as a, as a, a tool for parents is also, you know, forgive yourself for the mistakes you made, but then allow yourself to be open to conversations with, and don't be afraid of the things that your child is going to say to you. You may have to forgive yourself again, you know, but open that line of communication and keep it open and allow them to keep coming back to you because that's, what's going to strengthen it over time. And that's what's going to allow you to be uh, a good example for them when they go into and start breaking some of those cycles when they go into their parenting relationship. Yeah, it's it's essentially like both sides require grace. The, yeah. the parent has to give the child grace to say whatever it is that they want to say. And then as that child matures, hopefully they also have the grace to realize that that parent was operating in the best way that they knew how be it healthy or not, but they did the best that they could carefully. They did the best that they could for that child, for what they knew with the information that they had at that time. Mm -hmm. With, yeah, information that emotional capacity that they had, like all of the things, right? Mm -hmm. They're so, we're so multifaceted as human beings that it's just not one thing. All of it's so integrated that I think it's important to remember whatever things that you are I'm dealing with as a human, as a parent right now, just try to put yourself in the shoes of your parent and imagine, you know, what they could have gone through. And like you said, it could, some of the things were very prayerfully, they were doing the best that they could. A lot of those things may have been toxic, but if you know that is the case and you don't want to repeat that with your child, um, do some things differently, you know, open up the lines of communication. Forgiveness has to be a part of that line of communication. Absolutely. All right. So my final question for you is when it comes to unforgiveness and relationships, what's what piece of advice would you want to give our sisters out there regarding this? If this is for romantic relationships, this is one of the things and I'll say this is something that I believe for myself as well. Once you make the decision to forgive, Don't allow yourself to close off completely. If you have been in a relationship that has been hurtful, allow yourself to open up. Now, that don't mean open up today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You may not have been healed enough 
to take on the responsibility of another relationship. Be real with yourself. And if you are able to be opened up to a relationship, then fine. But if not, forgive and let that be the first step in your healing process. And then be open to love. Like, don't shut off love. You deserve love. So don't punish yourself for something somebody else did and shut yourself off from love. You deserve love. Love that. Once you have made the decision to forgive yourself, don't close yourself off completely. Remain open. I love that because I think that is what happens sometimes. You're like, well, this didn't work. So I'm just going to close myself off. I'm done. I'm going to be a nun for the rest of my days. No one talk to me. (laughs) Right, right. And acknowledge if you're not there yet, hey, you got work to do. And then when you're ready to do the work, do the work before you, you know, go back into it. But don't shut yourself off completely. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Mecca, thank you so much for giving us your advice and your wisdom when it comes to unforgiveness. I'm definitely going to let the people know how they can reach you and how they can get in touch with you. Thank you. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me into this conversation with you. It's been great. Come on now. Was that not filled with good information? I loved it when NECA said you get so used to rehearsing negativity in your life that you don't even remember the origin. How about that? How have we rehearsed so many things and replayed it in our minds so many times? We don't even remember where it came from. And so she said, once you make the decision to forgive, like just let that go and just allow yourself to be open, but when you're ready. So let me tell you a little bit about NECA so you know exactly who she is, where to find her, and all the wonderful things. NECA Anderson is a transformational coach, speaker, and creator of Reshape the Soul. After growing her corporate career for over 20 years, One afternoon, she found herself sitting at her desk in tears, feeling unfulfilled and desperate to stop letting fear keep her from living out her purpose. She eventually walked away from the highest paying job in her career. Over the last seven years, she's called upon her study of human behavior, biblical counseling, mindset transformation, and her own experiences to help women get freedom from self-sabotaging behaviors that keep them stuck. Using her five pillars of transformation, NECA helps her clients see how forgiveness, acceptance, identity, trust, and healing provide the solid foundation for building the lives they crave. You can find NECA at www.reshapethesoul.com and you can also find her on Instagram and Facebook at Reshape the Soul with NECA. That's two N's, N-N-E-K-A. Per usual, I will leave all of that information in the show notes. I hope that you have gotten something valuable out of this today. And I would love for you to leave me a comment or even leave a review on the podcast to say what you like best about today's episode. All right. So sis, there is no one like you. There is no one out here that can do the things that you do. So show up, let your light shine bright and never dim it for anyone. Until next time, bye.